and by the powers invested into me, and for the republic in which it stands, I now pronounce you man and wife. Get busy. And on this show, we are doing episode. This was a Pete idea. Hey, <laughs> uh, this is the one where we do shows where we don't. We the the episode makes me us feel uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. And um, not in the same way that Different Strokes Bicycle Man makes you uncomfortable because that's like way too serious. It's way too uncomfortable. <laughs> that's way too uncomfortable. But I just mean like generally the general icky feeling that comes from watching an episode of a show that you that you watch you know f- frequently. And then there's just those episodes which make you a little too uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, I should I should point out that all three of the shows that we're covering this time are shows that we watch very frequently. They're the three core series. Full yeah. House, we're going to start out with Full House, then we're going to do Say by the Bell, and then we're going to end with Fresh Prince. So it's the power trio. Power trio. Of... Um, of the of the hardcore sitcom core shows, so uh, without further ado, um, oh, I, and I, but I wanted to say is that this is kind of a treat for us because we never watch these episodes. So as often as we as we watch uh, these shows, we almost never watch these episodes because they're so unpleasant. So the yeah, opening them was now. Uh, pretty unfamiliar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this is actually one of a handful of full houses that we don't watch very often, and I and I um, jotted down a few of them, if infamously underwatched full house episodes for reasons other than being super uncomfortable with it, but um, the Michelle having big feet, where worst, she has a worst <laughs> episode, <laughs> big feet, it's terrible, and then um, the the infamous wrong way Tanner. Right. In which uh, Michelle fucks up a soccer game because she kicks the ball into the wrong goal. Yeah. The other one that I thought of was the one where she's in a go kart race. <laughs> oh, like that one's pretty, pretty much stupid. pretty much any episode so, with so Michelle at the center of it are ones that we don't watch very often. Yeah, the one where she has those fantasies about being like a large princess. Is that the same <laughs> one as the feet? I don't know. That one is fucked up. <laughs> I don't think so. I think that's yet a yet a different one. And this, the episode that we're watching is kind of the spiritual cousin to one from much earlier in the series. Oh, I'm going to let you know that this is uh, Full House Season 6, Episode 20, Grand Gift Auto. Original air date, March 16th, 1993. So this comes from the sixth season of Full House. So things were already getting kind of iffy. Yeah. Past Season 5, you don't really have the spirit of the show coming through quite as um, clearly as you do because there's all sorts of other stuff going on. So there's there's another episode earlier in the series where Joey goes off to he goes on a um, like a tour for, for stand-up comedy and then he comes back 
and uh, the family, meanwhile, had built his own room in the basement. And um, they kind of act all casual, like, oh, hey, Joey, welcome back. And he's, like, offended. And so he, he like, wonders where all his stuff is because he was at the time sitting the, staying in the alcove. They're like, oh, we just threw it down in the basement. Unawares that the family had paid quite a bit of money to have the uh, basement slash garage. He's like, why don't you just throw it out <laughs> in the lawn? <laughs> they have the basement slash garage turned into a very cozy extra bedroom for Joey to live in. So that's a similar episode, but it's not as long. The part, the painful part isn't quite as long. Yes, it's only for a few minutes, but this is like half the fucking episode. Yeah. And so that's why we picked this one. Uh, so the cold opening begins. It's it's one that I laughed out loud to because we, you know, again, we don't watch this one very often, so it was kind of unfamiliar to me. Michelle is dressing up uh, Nikki and Alex, who are Jesse and Rebecca's kids, um, they're still toddlers at the time, sub toddlers. They're kind of half toddler, half baby. Anyway, <laughs> he's dressing yes. them up like as as adults, and you don't really know why she's doing that until Joey comes in the room and says, "Hey, what are you doing?" And she explains that she's dressing one of them up as Uncle Jesse and one of them up as Daddy, and the one dressed up like Uncle Jesse is wearing a leather vest because of course he is and then the one dressed up like Danny is wearing like this tie that looks really long on him because it's just a child and Joey says okay but what about me and then she she signals for Comet to come out and he's wearing a hockey jersey and like a hockey helmet (laughs) sort of forecasting yeah he's like what about me what they think of him yeah I, I, I was thinking that too so then we have credits and then we cut to the kitchen and Joey, like, kind of storms the premises. Okay, come on, everybody. DJ, come on, let's go. Come on, come on down. Let's go. Like, he's coming home from somewhere, and he's like, where's DJ? I need to see DJ. So DJ's upstairs. She comes down, but the whole family in the meantime convenes. And Joey tells DJ in front of God and everybody that she he got her another birthday present. So then they go outside to where the present would be, and hey, it's a car. Uh, I think Jesse lets us know verbally that it's a 71 Thunderbird. Oh, 77 Firebird. Danny kind of takes Joey aside and says, oh, hey, we were supposed to pick something out together. And in typical Danny fashion, he goes through all the ways in which he was going to make sure he got her the safest, most reliable possible car, saying even that he called Ralph Nader, <laughs> which which made us both chuckle. Good line. Yeah. DJ is so thrilled that, you know, Danny kind of like just, men's fences and 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 gets over the fact that joey kind of bought a car out of turn for danny's daughter dj kimmy and steve decide that they're going to take it out for a ride and uh so they go in (laughs) this is this was funny to me she's like let me go get my license so that we can take it out (laughs) kimmy steve i'll go get my license and we'll cruise like she just grabbed her like the card (laughs) her driver's license yeah yeah (laughs) That's, that's what she went out but, uh, not her purse or anything. No, no. Just her, just license. her license. Not her wallet. Just the license. Yep. So then in the meantime, Jesse starts it up. He's kind of a car guy. So this sort of <laughs> makes sense. It sounds fine. And then Joey spots like a speck of something on the windshield. And in order to get it off, he starts running the wiper fluid. But instead of wiper fluid, out comes oil. But that's if that was the worst thing that happened, then that would be a really easy fix. But unfortunately, there's more wrong with the car. Again, fortunately, unlike Peter I, Uncle Jesse is a gearhead. And he he says that he can take care of all this stuff. 
and then he calls himself Mr. Goodhair. And then they did the classic Full House thing of explaining the joke, where Joey goes, uh, "Don't you mean Mr. Good Wrench?" But they saved it because then, <laughs> then Jesse says no. <laughs> yeah. The- <laughs> Yeah, no, they uh, that that was not as bad as uh, some of the other times they explained the joke. Yeah. To, in order to buy Jesse and Joey some time to get the car fixed, Danny goes inside to distract DJ and Steve and Kimmy uh, so that they don't find out that there's anything wrong with the car. And to do this, he gets out his acoustic guitar and starts singing car-related songs to them. Beep, 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 beep. The horn went beep, beep, beep. <laughs> Okay, now just the boys. Beep, beep. Beep, beep. The horn went beep, beep, beep. All right, come on, now just the girls. Beep, beep. Beep, beep. The horn went beep, beep, beep. Now everybody a little bit louder this time, okay? Beep, beep. Beep, beep. Uh, that's a good way to describe it. Car-related songs. It's just the one song, and uh, yeah. it's, uh, I guess, a traditional <laughs> song. I don't Okay, then Becky and the twins show up. Um for the session in distracting the teens from going out to take the car for a ride. And, and Danny gives them a guitar introduction. Look who's coming. It's uh, Aunt Becky with Michelle and the boys. <laughs> yeah, that's good. And then uh, they <clears throat> start a band right then and there where you have uh, Nikki and Alex on drums. Michelle and Kazoo and Danny on guitar, and they play Pop Goes the Weasel. And they're called Michelle, Nikki, and Alex, but they don't acknowledge Danny. He's really the doing anchor. the heavy lifting. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's the one with all the talent. All around the mulberry bush, the monkey chased the weasel. What the heck is a mulberry bush? Pop goes the weasel. The car actually gets fixed just in time for the teens' patients to be completely up, and they, they run outside, like, just done wild young bohemians and <laughs> that they are luckily the car is fixed so the teens get in the car and they begin on their way uh, like teens do as they do with their license and only their license <laughs> <laughs> just as they're on their way out along comes a police person on a motorcycle and uh she runs her well we don't <laughs> i don't mean to give away the surprise that the cop is actually a woman but but here we are. That that is that is what happened. That's a surprise. So, <laughs> so uh, Jesse tries to charm her first by assuming that she's a man, and that of course offends her. And then, um, and then by talking about her motorcycle, and he she doesn't care. She's all business. All right, guys, let me handle this. Afternoon, sir. Oh, your lady. <laughs> okay, hi. Uh, well, listen, officer, or, or should I call you uh, officerette? <laughs> Back off. Anyone else want to handle this? You? So she uh, asks after the car, and Joey explains that he gave it to DJ for her birthday, and uh, he said, well, or sorry, the, uh, the police person says, well, it was stolen. So then they all kind of corral inside, and Joey starts explaining that uh, this nice little old lady had this car and that he you know, bought it in cash because it was such a good deal and she had another offer in. The cop asks for a pink slip, which I don't know if they still call it that. 
title deed. <laughs> yeah, whatever the proof of ownership is. So it, it, according to the show, it was a pink slip, although they also use the term pink slip to describe something that you get when you get fired. Right. Later. I mean, <laughs> later, later <laughs> in society. Yeah. Anyway, Joey doesn't have one. And um, I sorry, I should have mentioned earlier that Joey never had the car looked at by a mechanic. And there was kind of a joke about, oh, what kind of idiot doesn't have a mechanic check out a car that you're buying from some random person? And once again, the joke was used, what kind of idiot buys a car but doesn't get any proof of ownership? And, of course, that idiot is Joey. That's what kind of idiot it is. Yeah. Okay. So in in order to, and I don't know how this works legally, because if you're a suspect for a crime and you pretty much have all the evidence in your possession... No amount of explanation is probably going to get you out of this, right? We had the same problem with the Palm Springs episode with mm. the all charges being dropped from <laughs> from uh, Carlton and and Will because well, that was that was pretty serious because Uncle Phil and and Viv were there and they were badass. Yeah. As far as I never quite have been able to wrap my head around you know, the what happens to someone who buys stolen property who doesn't know it's stolen? Because, yeah. I mean, if you knowingly buy stolen property, then, you know, it's, you're buying stolen property. But if you are truly, like, I'm an idiot and I bought a car and I just didn't know it was stolen, I mean, I'm what? how liable are you? As yeah. In any case, I guess there's a pretty compelling case being made by the family, the Tanners. <clears throat> for all for all the cop knows, Joey stole the car. Yes. Uh, so the proof that Joey can't possibly be a criminal is basically because he's stupid. So he has a Scooby-Doo nightshirt and accompanying bubble bath. Well, the, they 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 take the cop to show her. Yeah, they take her all these in, into their home up to Joey's bedroom. Now I ask you, officer, does this look like the room of a of a hardened criminal? <laughs> I give you, uh, I give you exhibit A. Look at this. A Scooby-Doo nightshirt. <laughs> give me that. I didn't buy it. It came with the bubble bath. <laughs> you see, would a guy steal a car, come home, take a nice bubble bath, and put on a Scooby-Doo nightshirt? I think not. Yes, <laughs> please, cut me a break here. What's the point of this? Officer, the point is that, that Joey is just a sweet, innocent, goofy guy who's, uh, who's just a child at heart. Yeah, he starts off every day with a Three Stooges chewable vitamin. It's true. <laughs> Here they are. See? Although I'm sure some pretty hardened criminals probably take Three Stooges multivitamins. I don't, that's not Should they innocent. exist, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Ninja Turtle slippers. And then at this point, Joey starts showing signs of irritation. Like, he makes some, like, comment, like... Hey, well, I'm glad you guys are happy. You mean you're not? Oh, no, I feel great. DJ's present is being towed away, and I'm the big family joke. All this time, I thought you guys were laughing with me, and you were actually laughing at me. He's, uh, feeling the gut punches... Of them explaining to the cop that he's stupid, that he's yeah. a man child, right? 
So the cop ultimately says, uh, you know, the Ninja Turtle slippers kind of did it that uh, she doesn't think that he he didn't know that the car was stolen. He didn't steal the car. He's an innocent man child. And that's weaker than the Uncle Phil and Aunt Viv I agree. badass thing. They're just, just like, he's a moron. It's like, wow, I she guess didn't take his information for any follow-up. She didn't take a statement from him. <laughs> just just bye. She said, stay in town. Yeah. So, uh, the cop leaves, and then the family starts, like, continuing the jokes. Like, hey, we, we now we know that this is an ironclad defense. <laughs> well, and next time you go for your driver's license, wear your Scooby-Doo shirt, shirt and yeah. wear a bowl bath. And... You know, we were talking during the episode uh, about how, well, you know, they were just trying to get him out of it, so why is he so pissed? But I was also thinking, if you're already embarrassed about, you know, being so stupid to buy a stolen car for, you know, well, not technically his niece, but might as well be his niece, uh, and then it gets taken away and everything is just fucking ruined, then, like, the family... Just poking fun at your idiocy is gonna it's gonna feel more personal. It's gonna sting. I guess I guess the emotion that he's really displaying here is defensiveness, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I could I I could totally see it. Yeah. Like I mean, you know, it was for the greater good, but I think more than ever I could sort of understand the fuck you guys and fuck off. That's interesting. That's interesting. I, I would say though that he gets I think he gets overly offended and he storms out and he claims he's going to go start looking at apartments, which I call bullshit. That on. is serious shit. Joey, where you going? I don't know. I need to go for a walk. Maybe I'll uh, go down and get a goofy Joey Slurpee and uh, maybe look at a goofy Joey Slurpee. I think, well, I think he was just doing it to get a rise out of them, like to show them how offended he was. Yeah. 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 And he couldn't afford an apartment. <laughs> on top of it all. Yeah. So they convince him to talk about it and they pour it on about how important he is. I wrote down how important he is to the show because <laughs> he's the comic <laughs> relief. Well, like, you can't leave. You can't leave. Or we'd have a big gaping hole where the funny guy is supposed to go. <laughs> You know, Danny's the neat one, the uptight one. Jesse's the cool one. Where's the funny guy going to go? So, uh, it w but they also, oh, and then it turns, it devolves into a, like a, a bit of a clip show. So they start showing uh, situations where Joey was specifically funny or where Joey was specifically like also pretty helpful. And Joey continues to spiral down in his own despair. <laughs> okay, 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 fine. So I'm good for a few laughs, big deal. <laughs> Until he starts explaining, like, you know, I, we get this a couple of times in the series where Joey talks about how he was an only child <laughs> and um, how his dad was kind of a dick <laughs> and how it was nice for him to live in such a nice family and he wanted them to be like the Brady Bunch because he always wanted to be in the Brady Bunch, which is a little sad. Yes, yeah. very. And then there are there there are several more cheap Brady Bunch references, which if you weren't, uh, I don't know, old enough to get stuff at the time, I mean, you may not remember the fact that at the time the Brady Bunch was... Heavily syndicated. It was heavily syndicated, but it was also around the time where everything was kooky. People started... 
carrying yeah, around lunchboxes. Yeah, like Dukes of Hazard. Yeah. Sort yeah. of came back. And, and this was sort of part of that. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but we called it Generation X. We did. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then jo- uh, Joey feels better and the episode ends. So we survived. Barely. <laughs> and we just watched Save of the Bells Season 2, Episode 15, The Fabulous Belding Boys. Original air date, December 9th, 1990. Do you have anything to say about the date? You seem to. <laughs> uh, that's pretty close to the 80s. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah. Just teetering on the edge of not being the 80s. Yeah. You know, I guess... This show did start in the 80s. It's kind of weird. I always so think of it 90s. purely 90s, yeah. yeah. Uh, we open in the Bayside High School hallway, and Zach bounds into the classroom and basically says that the teacher that teaches said class sucks. This history class is a kid's worst nightmare. I mean, our teacher, Mr. Dickerson, is more horrible than four zits on a first date. Uh, the teacher announces that the midterm is tomorrow. And uh, Jesse freaks out and says that she needs an A, which is every episode. And he says that he'd give them a review. And then they go through some facts and they get them all right. And he's like, haha, but none of that's on the midterm. Laugh now, loser. None of this is on the test. <laughs> the teacher's very prickish. He's been in other things. He, I think he's played other roles on the show. I can't think of him right now. Is he the orchestra? Could be. No, no, he's not. He's he's played other parts. Isn't that Mr. Tuttle, the orchestra director? The choir. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Anyway, during said class, a handful of them leave. uh, Oh, the okay. So the teacher taunting them is basically like saying everybody fails my midterm, and he's kind of like proud of it. So a handful of them leave uh, at the prompting of a announcement that comes from Mr. Belding saying that they have to go talk about the class trip. This is a committee meeting of some kind. Cut to Belding's office. I guess the main agenda item for this committee meeting is they have to decide where they're going to go on their class trip. Ideas are thrown out. Jokes, fat jokes are made. Let's go to the Hostess Museum. I hear they have a great dig-dong exhibit. Um... Lisa jokes are made. She suggests taking a cruise to Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, the subject of the Zach's ridicule overweight. I've never you never seen him before or since. No, it's really weird. Yeah. and he's just there for that. Well, they episode. they kind of replaced the fat nerd <laughs> in later episodes. That kid who's like, when do we eat? You know, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. recurring. This guy comes out of nowhere and then leaves promptly. Yeah. In response to the ideas that are being thrown out that meet everybody's specific uh, personality type, Belding says that they need to come up with something that's fun and educational and says that he'll come up with something. Then he also, out of nowhere, kind of reminds them that they have to pass their midterms in order to go on the trip. So that scary teacher who's sadistic and horrible, they have to pass that test. So the heat's on. Zach is really excited about this uh, class trip, so he's extra motivated to try and do well and he's actually so then we cut to Zach's bedroom and the entire Say by the Bell gang is in Zach's bedroom. I don't remember ever seeing all of them in there before. I don't think so. I don't think that ever happened. I think there was a rotating cast of characters once but not all at once uh, and they are studying together and Zach is kind of actually kicking ass because he's motivated. Now Jesse, was Archduke Francis Ferdinand assassinated at Sarajevo? 
Yes, very good, Zach. And this sort of sets the table a little bit for Zach's improbable admission to Yale. Yes, very good, Zach. Later on in the series that once Zach starts caring about something, then he's actually pretty good at it. Yes, very good, Zach. Uh, so then the entire gang together begins hallucinating. <laughs> <laughs> like in this exact same way, I guess... They all took the same drug. Yeah, know. yeah. So they keep seeing this teacher's face uh, on Michael, uh, sorry, on Magic Johnson's body in their books mm-hmm. uh, on the cover of their magazine. And then Lisa suggests that they watch The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah, <laughs> which is wild. Zach says that they need a break. Yeah. And then Lisa suggests to watch Fresh Prince and the teacher's on TV rapping. Right. It's really weird. It's, yeah, let's watch Fresh Prince. You think you're smart, you think you're hip. Put your books away, cause there's no class trip. <laughs> Weird. Uh, so then cut to class. The teacher's not there, and everybody's confused as to why he isn't there. Zach invokes the five-minute rule, which he claims to have made up. But No, he didn't make Everyone knows everybody that. Everybody knows about that. I was actually in a night school class where we did do that. I've, I've Yeah, I've done that in college before. I... I, but I wouldn't have done it in high school, I don't think. Well, the, <laughs> sure the teacher was pretty pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Uh, so then Belding comes in and announces that um, their normal teacher isn't coming, that instead uh, they have a substitute, and it happens to be Mr. Belding's brother, Rod Belding. Roderick. Rod, Rod, Rod invites them to call him Rod. Call me Rod. So hence, hence for this uh, podcast, I will call them Richie and Rod. Call me Rod. Because... Mm-hmm. I, if I call them Belding, um, you don't know which Belding it is. So Rod basically says, fuck the midterm, makes a big thing of tearing up the midterm and says that they don't have to take it. They can grade themselves. Call me Rod. Jesse says, so just, okay. He has no authority to do yeah, that. Yeah, he has no authority to do that. He asks them to tell them what they deserve. And this is, I think, a classic teacher move where you expect people out of fear to kind of lower their own grade a little bit well you and i took a community college class i was gonna bring that up too where that actually did happen it did happen and, and I, I was like i don't know b yeah and i gave myself an a minus thinking that he would probably bump me up to an a because i did deserve an a uh-huh. but he didn't he gave me an a minus which i guess i sort of deserved i should have just given myself an a that was for the full class too right like that wasn't for like a paper yeah. That was our final grade. I think uh, he just didn't feel like I, uh, yeah, giving grades. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Shout out grading. to Larry Meacham. Yep. Yep. Salud. <laughs> uh, he spends the rest of class explaining why he's a sub, basically talking about himself and how even though he was what, an airline president or something. Well, he was saying you can take your vice presidency and restaff it. Please call me Rod. Uh Okay, Rod. <laughs> because, because he wants summers off. To yeah, he's pursue his dream, which was what? A substitute teacher. I know. I figured that he needed summers off to like play rock music or something, or no, he's just become a, a hippie or something. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't know. His dream of becoming a hippie. <laughs> so then Richie comes into class and uh, announces that they're going to Yosemite for their class trip. Then he leaves, and um, Rod is kind of like. 
a shit about it and and tells the class wow you're really brave for letting richie take you into the woods suggesting that he's like kind of incompetent when it comes out to outdoorsy stuff it was shitty huh it was shitty uh Okay, Rod. It was shitty, and Mr. Butler makes it sound so nice and yeah. everything like that. And uh, yeah, we got a lot of problems with this episode. So many problems. It's really uncomfortable. So then, like, the boys from the Core Saved by the Bell gang are in Belding's, Richard's, Richard Belding's office watching baseball with Rod Belding. Well, it's Screech, Zach, and Rod. Call me Rod. Oh, it's Sater's not Slater. not okay. there. Uh, apparently, Rich is at a school board meeting, so they're safe. He's not going to, like, come back and bust them for cutting class or whatever. And behind his back, they all kind of, like, have several laughs at Rich's expense. And Screech even does, a, like, a physical impersonation of him, which is offensive. And it wasn't good. Zach, sit down. Okay. <laughs> I think it's time we had a man-to-man Guy to guy talk. Remember, the last three letters of principal spell pal. No, it wasn't good. It wasn't even interesting. Uh, then they start discussing the class trip and how excited they are for it. And Rod tells him, well, them, well, yeah, that's very nice that you're going on, you know, some nature bullshit. But I went whitewater rafting for my class trip. I'll never forget our class trip. It was the greatest ever. We went whitewater rafting. Uh, okay, Rod. And then Zach in very very classic Zach fashion decides that he must go whitewater rafting really I've always wanted to do really and then convinces all his friends that they must also go whitewater rafting and it's all very effective and pointless really it's such an extreme 1990 idea let's go whitewater rafting <laughs> uh, yeah, where's the mountain dew <laughs> yeah yeah sounds uh you know this is before I don't know. I mean, they're it was before irony. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> self awareness. There you go. Yeah. So the, Jesse reminds them that they actually need to tell Richard Belding that they've changed plans here. Really? So then cut to Belding's office, and it's fucking ridiculous because poor Rich is looking at Yosemite uh, brochures and 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 being all cute and excited for their trip. Uh, when the gang comes in to break the bad news that. Uh, they're actually going on a white rider rafting trip. And then Rich is like, well, I can't really lead that trip because I don't know how to whitewater raft. And they said, oh, don't worry. Your brother Rod has volunteered to do this for us. And Rich is very sad. And then he very pitifully throws his Yosemite brochures in the trash can. It's the most heart-wrenching part of the episode in... It's it's very I feel like relatable because I feel like maybe it may rank familiar for me as something I might have pulled as a younger kid. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of iffy for high school students. Yeah, most high school students have bigger hearts than is yeah, demonstrated here. And, and to know the disappointment of someone of the person you're screwing over, but to go through it anyway and just to sort of <laughs> live that down. Look the other way at the <laughs> the sadness of the situation. Yeah, yeah, and there's battleground of bodies left in time from people who have been screwed over like that. Yeah, by oh yeah, <laughs> especially kids. No doubt. Uh, n- next thing you know, I think I believe we are in the Bayside Gym, and they have actually blown up a raft and put it on like air mattresses to try and simulate the real thing the 
course, Saved by the Bell gang is once again in the raft, and Rod Belding is like starts pushing on the raft to simulate, you know, the bumpiness of, of a whitewater raft. We're heading for whitewater! Everybody, hold on! Oh! <laughs> and they all have these smiling jack off faces. So. <laughs> There was a time when we were watching this episode with friends where we paused it to to take a good look at Mark Paul Gossler's face. And I say Mark Paul Gossler because there is no way you can act your way through that face. Yeah, it, it, it's it, I'm sorry we can't show you the face through <laughs> audio. but it, it, it is the pure look of joy on his face that only comes from <laughs> having the kind of fun that you have not had since you were like nine years old, but as a teenager. Yeah, he looks yeah. like a real jack-off. Yeah, <laughs> point being. Uh, and then for some reason, and this is where things get kind of sick and pathological, so Rod suggests that it's time to like start talking about safety tips. So he leads with CPR. Yeah, he's just being horny. This is so f- weird It's and gross. And so he tells <sighs> Jesse and... Kelly, get who, on the ground. who are girlfriends of Slater and Zach, respectively, at this time. And then he's, Rod starts coaching Zach and Slater on how to administer mouth-to-mouth with them, but only gives them the vaguest of instructions. And he's like, go for it. Yeah, basically telling, you know, start tonguing them now. <laughs> at that exact moment, guess who walks in? Hey, 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 what is going on here? He walks in and he's like, what the fuck is this? Come on, this is history class. What are you doing? And he said, oh, well, we were just using class time to talk about, just to do some preparation for whitewater rafting. And... It was Rich is like, okay, go fuck yourself, and then sends them all back to history class. You're very angry, and you're right to be. I hate Rod Belding. I hate well, his fucking guts. We, He's the worst. We traditionally, we don't watch this episode for a variety of reasons. For one, it's like poorly lit, and that's weird. <laughs> that's and like then another look right. is that it is... It's almost too real. It's almost too genuine. Yeah. Like, Mr. Belding is, you know, being hurt... And the kids act like just assholes, and we always, you know, use the refrain like after everything he's, he's done, done for, for them, them, and and just like well, the worst. Okay, like yeah. L- l- let me just get to the worst part because it is fucking yeah, the yeah. worst. So uh, after Richie like breaks everything up, it's just him and Zach left in the gym for some reason, and Zach like actively confronts Richard Belding, and is he's being kind of typical Zach. Um, until he kind of passes this line between Zach Morris just being like trashy Zach Morris to being like a real fucking psycho. Mr. Belding, come on. Don't be mad Where at he Rod. He's a great teacher. Rod is the Rod? only teacher who ever yeah. cared about him. No their, other teacher ever cared so much about us. <laughs> well, maybe he should care more about yeah. teaching and less about being popular. Maybe you're jealous of your own brother. Maybe you're jealous of your own brother. Maybe you're jealous of your own brother. Uh, I don't even have anything to say about this. Well, yeah, I, I'm without speech. I mean, like, Fuck, man, that because it's like, okay, we get to go play on the jungle gym with Rod, and so he cares. So he cares, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, unlike Mr. Belding, who like obsesses over these six kids. You know? Yeah, like he's never given a fuck about them the Jesus whole time. Christ. 
and he and he accuses him of being jealous of his worthless brother. They're like they're like low level abusive to him anyway, like yeah. on a, on a regular basis. But this is the worst. This one. is just which is why it's uncomfortable to watch. It's it's personal and it's mean. And it seems intentional, almost. Like, Zach knew that the words that were coming out of his mouth were disingenuous, but said them anyway just to hurt him. What a fuck. <sighs> so, that scene ends. Um, Mercifully. And then, it's oh, it's the night of the trip. So, uh, when we were watching this, Pete and I were talking a little bit about how... I was so excited for them because they're all dressed, you know, kind of more casually than they would normally be for for school, and they all have like their their luggage and. Slater's dressed like he's modeling up for a Playgirl calendar. Yeah, it's it's, it's really something. Uh, and then, I I guess Lisa sort of looks a little bit like she does in the Junior Cadets episode. It looks like she's wearing like camouflage but like shorts and like a tied up shirt. Anyway, yeah. they all look really relaxed and happy. They're all like excited and I thought back to like the only school trip I really took which was to the Big Island when I was in sixth grade and it the way they looked and how happy and excited they were reminded me and also it being kind of poorly lit because we left for the Big Island at like six in the morning because we had to catch a flight and so it was like dark and it wasn't normally dark at school so that 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 made me happy amid amid the anguish that is the rest of this episode anyway awful <laughs> they somebody announces that the buses are there and then and then I typed again that it's dark. <laughs> Everything's dark. <laughs> I guess I turned the lights off. That's why it's poorly lit. Right? Zach walks yeah. down the dark hallway. Yeah, Zach creepily of, of its of soul. Darkness. <laughs> <laughs> so he doesn't even make it to the inside of the principal's office, and he overhears the building ar- buildings arguing with each other, and it's revealed that Rod is ditching them for a stewardess because I guess he's Jack Tripper. What is so important that you would disappoint 30 kids? Richie, if you met this stewardess, you'd know. You're doing this to spend time with some stewardess? It's not just some stewardess. This is Inga. <laughs> Yeah. And a Swedish one, too. Yeah, it's Inga. Pretty, it's pretty textbook. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so then Belding throws, or sorry, Richie throws Rod out. Zach, without talking to either Belding, uh, he storms back into the gym where they're all waiting to leave. Uh, he says he's not feeling well. And uh, I guess. Yeah, it's weird because it's like you. <laughs> It was almost too real. Like, he just walked in. He didn't know what to do with himself. He's so upset. He's just like, I'm not feeling well. Zach, are you all right? I'm not feeling so good, Kelly. (laughs) It's awkward. But then uh, Richie Belding saves everybody, including Mark Paul Gossler from that scene, and announces that Rod ditched them but covers and says that, you know, Rod had the flu and that's why he's not. He's like, Rod pukes. Goodbye. And then uh, Slater sends everybody home. No, Zach is like, all right, everybody, let's go oh, home. That was Zach? Yeah. Okay, I was busy typing, but yeah. <laughs> like, he just makes the decision. He He's like, okay, everybody, you're dismissed. Great. I guess we won't be going anywhere now. Yeah. Let's go home, guys. <laughs> he has the authority to do that, but he, he exercises it anyway. Um, and then Belding says what I kind of assumed that he would take them anyway. I mean, they already have all the arrangements. The buses are there. Like, yeah, somebody else can take you on this trip. It doesn't have to be Rod Belding. <laughs> <laughs> I would be pissed. I'd be like, no, I, seriously, I wanted to go home. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, 
Uh, well, not if you were going with your girlfriend and, you know, you're going to have some time alone with her. And that, that, that does seem Sex under sexy. the stars. Yeah. 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 So Zach is all touched. Episode ends and we're all better for it. We just watched The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air Season 3, Episode 17, The Best Laid Plan. As was prophesied by Save Better Bell. Mm-hmm. Original air date, February 1st, 1993. So the cold open introduces the concept of Will dating this woman, Monique, and it's played ably by Kim Fields. Of Facts of Life fame and Living, and living Single, single fame. fame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's sort of making the moves on this Monique chicken. Hillary and Ashley are making fun of him behind his back, kind of like mocking him. And then they sort of get caught because Ashley says something out loud. Hey, babe, I got to tell you. Whatever it is that you're serving. You better give me a double. <laughs> and then uh, they leave, and then Will continues on, and then Jeffrey starts doing the same thing behind his back, and it's pretty funny. Uh, credits, then kitchen. Will enters, and Hillary and Ashley are just kind of hanging out, and Will makes a big thing about how he smells good, and Ashley suggests that he sm- wants to smell good because of his girlfriend. Uh, Vivian comes in and is completely fat shamed. She's wearing. She's pregnant. Yeah. She's wearing like a a black dress with like this black. Like stiff kind of shirt over top of it. It's a look I never liked even at the time. Uh, and they make a big thing about how she does look fat. It's unfortunate. Guys, what do you think of my new dress? Doesn't make me look too big, does it? Huh? Um. No. <laughs> Hillary, what do you think, honey? We know how I'm always borrowing your things. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't have to worry about this one. <laughs> anyway, Phil comes in and he, he says something that leads Vivian to believe that he forgot about this dinner date that she had been looking forward to for a long time. And he did. And he had, and but to cover it up, uh, he... He's, he tries to think of some place that they would go out to dinner. So where are we going? To the restaurant, uh, Le, uh, Le, Shay, uh, Mick, uh, Mick, uh. And it's classic. It's really good. Excellent. <clears throat> then, uh, flowers arrive, and, uh, Phil sort of thinks fast and, and pretends that they're for Vivian. They were actually for Hillary, but that makes up for it, so then they go out to dinner. The whole point of all this is that Will thought that he would have the house all to himself, and so he's like trying to convince uh, them to just get out so that he could indeed have his the house all to himself and actually all to himself and Monique, his date. So then you cut to the living room, and Will is looking at himself in the mirror, and he's en- enjoying himself. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Jean-Claude Van Damme, I'm fine. And then uh, Kim, sorry, Kim, Monique comes in and uh, she is kind of laying it on a little bit thick, saying that she had to lie to her father about going out. You know, my father would kill me if he knew I was out with a boy tonight. (laughs) I told him I was going to church. (laughs) And then Will says, the Lord is good. Uh, so then they start making out, like, he kind of turns down the lights and turns on, uh, some sexy music using the clapper, because that was what... People did at the time on TV. That's that's what, uh, excuse, that was the excuse for humor that (laughs) was in the 90s, was 
he used over and over again the clapper joke so um they start making out and then she kind of freaks out sort of has a crisis of conscience and claps the music off and the lights on and uh she tells will that she really wants to wait to have sex until she's married and uh this is you know there's a little bit of a back and forth but i think it's settled that they're not going to do it because of kim's very old-fashioned kim's because of monique's very old-fashioned views on sex next morning they're in the kitchen and will storms in and there's this pretty funny bit about how he's sexually frustrated so he it did a bunch of crazy exercise <laughs> and waxes Carlton's <laughs> car. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 is an old joke, but I, it is one that I really like. Well, yeah, the Fresh Friends did everything well. Yeah, basically. True that. Yeah. The Lord is good. Uh, he's all fidgety. Carlton says that he he understands what's going on and that he just needs to give her more time. And then there's a joke about how Carlton's a virgin, which is a persistent joke throughout uh, Fresh Prince until it's, he's not. Yeah. Yeah. And then Phil comes in and they have one of, uh, this is sort of a, a running joke in Fresh Prince where Will and Phil have um, what Pete and I call a metaphorical conversation. It's one of your favorite things about <laughs> Fresh Prince is Will and Uncle Phil's metaphorical conversation. I need to talk to you about um, cars. Cars? You? Oh, cars. cars yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I uh, guess it is uh, about time that that you and I started talking about uh, uh, cars. cars. Uh, mm. Oh God, this car isn't in trouble, is it? <laughs> no, no, no. We've never been off the lot, far as I could tell. Where they're talking usually about sex or relationships or just women in general, but they're. They're talking about it in other terms. In this case, it's a it's a car metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. And and Will basically, I mean, sorry, Phil basically c- concludes the discussion saying that he really shouldn't pressure this girl into having sex before marriage because if she's not ready, then that's just not the right thing to do. Uh, so the next thing you know, Will and Monique are at the altar. They're getting married. And the big reveal is... <laughs> That you think they're getting married, but it's actually jazz officiating, so clearly it's not a legal marriage. Dearly beloved, we're gathered here to unite this couple in holy matrimony. <laughs> and the uh, hilarious wedding, I don't know what the preacher is, it, what, vows, their wedding it's vows? The vows, it's whatever the officiant whatever says. Whatever the officiant says is sampled at... Uh, the beginning of an electric grandmother song in 2004, which I did after we got married. Yeah. And the song is called Married. And by the pause invested into me, <laughs> and for the republic in which it stands, <laughs> I now pronounce you man and wife. Get busy. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 pretty good. So they're done getting married, and then another one of the better lines from from this episode. This episode, as disgusting as it is, has a lot of really good lines in it. I don't believe this jazz, man. Together we are invincible. Granted, my brother, we're good, but people can still see us. Cut to 
hotel room 23 so michael jordan <laughs> yeah they're, we they, think. they're in a, they're in a hotel room and we assume that they selected uh room number 23 because of michael jordan because everything was michael jordan at the time yep will gets right to it in a comical fashion where he starts like undressing before they even close the door and monique kind of asks him to slow down and he like kind of continues to try to get undressed and she says that she wants to get changed because it'll totally be worth his while because she wants to slip into something way sexy and so she goes to the bathroom to change and will violently like undresses <laughs> like breaking his like all the buttons off his shirt and then he like pulls the bedspread <laughs> off like flings himself across the room <laughs> and the, where he crashes into the door and then goes With back the on bedspread. yeah goes he back doesn't throw it he carries it <laughs> to the door and slams it against the door <laughs> That is very funny. <laughs> and then he like kind of slides back onto the bed where he makes this like very playgirlish pose <laughs> in his um in his like purple tank top and Second playgirl reference. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then she comes up out of the bedroom and she is dressed like she's a hundred years old. You you keep calling it like a Blanche Devereaux. It give her some credit. I mean Blanche Devereaux some credit. Yeah. It is conservative. <laughs> it is Amish. It, it is it is She's the woman's covered up it it was uh is it well yeah i mean there's really nothing more to add will claims to like it but he's lying because it's it's not even nice like it looks <laughs> i don't know it's it's a mess it's yeah she's a mess so um <laughs> you know she starts going on about how happy it is that they're married and will's all like cool it's fuck will we're married <laughs> i'm so happy and I'm gonna make you happy too. Okie doke. <laughs> and then she wants to talk a little bit more about how great it is that they're married. And then she pulls like pretty much the only thing that could possibly save her from this horrible situation that <laughs> that Will's put from her this in. Beast of a man. He's like, okay, so let's st- just sit back and review for a second. Okay. Okay. She expresses a desire to not have sex with him until he's married. So his salute. She's married, and that's like pretty old-fashioned even for the the early 90s and so his solution is to 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 manipulate her into actually having sex with him by pretending that they are that they do get married that is horrible it's uh it's pretty bad and um well there's a couple things like as he had to assume that she was a yes to getting married which is kind of crazy which is kind of crazy um but you know it's not just old fashioned, but it's also religious. You know, yes, her not wanting to thing. have, yeah. you know, sex until she was married. That it's he very, must have been really, wrong. it was really, really horny to not consider the consequences of his actions so, in tricking this girl into. Yeah, I mean, Will was always kind of. A trickster, you know, like, uh, uh, but he was never so flatly immoral. Like. So that's your, that's what makes you uncomfortable about this episode because again, it, it crosses it, a line. It just, it's so off the wall, and it, the parts, like the funny parts, are so funny that it drowns out the immoral part of it, and I'm just I'm used <laughs> to it. But I also understand why it's upsetting because it is pretty this is so bad. It's, it, it, it's awful, and. uh like, she was so happy to be married to him for some reason. For some reason. Will, we're married. Yeah, she's just really 
then it gets very serious because not only is she talking about how great it is that they're married and how she believes in the sanctity of marriage and how she's going to be a good wife, then she pulls out the trump card, which is her great-granddaddy's pocket watch, which had been passed down on the day of their wedding for four generations, and now she's fulfilling that part of her family history. My great-grandmother gave it to him on their wedding night, and Grandma gave it to Grampy, and Mama gave it to Daddy, and now I'm giving it to you. Oh, damn. <laughs> so, this does it. This finally, like, gets Will to start thinking about what he's actually doing. He goes, damn, <laughs> the Lord is good. <laughs> yeah, I like it. And he leaves to go downstairs to the hotel bar. And he's like, check it out, check it out, check it, check it out. out. Check it out, check it out, check it out, check it out, check it out. Look here. Um, oh, I, I, I forgot to mention that he's, he kind of panically gets dressed on his way down to uh, go to the hotel bar. And he puts his pants on inside out. And and it's got the dress pockets, like, like the lining. <laughs> like the lining is, is really ridiculous. It's so and it's long. so funny. It's really long. Like it goes all the way down to his knees. It's crazy. It's good. <laughs> like it. So so he goes down to the uh the hotel bar to find Jazz. I don't know why he thinks that Jazz is gonna help him and of course Jazz is no help. Although he does remark that he, he likes the way Will is dressed, which is with his uh his suit blazer on over his purple tank top and his inside out pants with It's a fashion risk. But I like it. The lining that goes down to the knees and, and then stops. Jazz decides to hang out at the bar pretending to be a priest, hitting on women. You know, my child, I've never known the pleasures of the flesh, but I could be convinced to give up the priesthood for you. Yes, and he uses the priest bit. This is continuing the what-the-fuck immorality, well, which it fits a little scum. bit more. Like, jazz is total <laughs> scum. And so Will goes to, like, kind of confide in jazz, and jazz says all this weird stuff because he's jazz. And then uh, Will, for some reason, decides that he really can't go through with uh, manipulating this poor girl into having sex with him. So then he he goes back up to hotel room 23 <laughs> and um, he's honest with her and he's very earnest about it and he apologizes very sincerely. I know you respect honesty in a man, so I'm gonna be honest. Monique, I just wanted to get you in the bed, so I tricked you. The whole ceremony was a fake. And we're not really married. Which is, I guess, what saves the character from, y you know, damnation. Well, yeah, but then, but he's like, well, Nick, I mean, the room is paid for and everything, so, I don't, you know, I was just hoping that maybe, you know, since. So, uh, and, and at that point, she punches him square in the face. The Lord is good. Uh, then the scene changes, although it's still in the hotel room, but now he's alone and he's on the phone with Uncle Phil, who's, and it's that, that funny thing on TV that, that they, that they did. And it, it was kind of, uh, hackneyed even for it, but it, it was effective. Be yeah. <laughs> because they, they kind of knew when they were being hackneyed, like they, yeah. it's the chipmunk voice on the other line. Yeah. Yeah. The, know, the like sped up. Oh. So could you just come get me, Uncle Phil? And he's like, Uncle Phil, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, but like I said, it, it works because it knows it's being hackneyed and it's, yeah. it's kind of like a, um, a conscious uh, 
TV trope invocation, I suppose, or even cliche. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, so basically we come to find out that Monique got so pissed off that she stole the car (laughs) and left. That's funny because, like, in the syndicated, we haven't watched as much on the DVD, and the syndicated, that whole part's cut out, that she stole the car. Yeah. So you had no idea. Yeah. That, that, That part was kind of... N- non-existent in the syndicated version which is what we were like used to for a long time so then cut to the kitchen and ashley carlton and hillary are discussing what hillary overheard from phil's side of the, the phone conversation and there are some jokes about getting the facts sort of wrong and then ashley kind of figures it out that uh will g- tricked monique into marrying him just so that they could sleep together and then she got mad and stole a car. And then Will and Phil come home, walk through the scene, repeating exactly that. <laughs> that Ashley said that, that works well, too. So Phil rightly calls his actions disgusting. Don't you ever stop to think before you do these disgusting things? <laughs> He's absolutely right. You do right. these disgusting he things. Is, yeah, yeah. And uh, Will is, I don't know whether he's trying to be manipulative or whether he really feels that bad, but he's, Probably he, both. he says, you know, this is the worst. Th- yeah, I agree. This is the worst thing I've ever done. Yeah, this is, I'm really sorry. Uh, please stop me before I do anything more. And he feels kind of not buying it, but it's irrelevant because he's going to punish him at some point. So he says, I'm not going to punish you. And then he said, oh, Uncle Phil, you know, thank you. But then. Then he says today and then he starts going on about how he's going to make him suffer by making him worry about what the punishment's going to be. And it's an uncomfortable thing where it's like you're, I mean, okay, you punish an adult, like, you know, that, that, yeah, that, that's, again, give my parents credit for that. Like, uh, you know, that they, once I turned 18, they didn't try to pull anything like that, which is just, it's just weird because I've known people who have had that pulled on them as adults, and it's just really awkward. So I'm kind of an in-between case because I never actually got punished. Yeah. But, like, I couldn't go out or had to ask permission to go out, and that was because I was still living at home. But your parents were kind of, uh, like, halfway supporting you financially, so they had kind of a similar claim, but... They didn't. They were pretty cool about that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the the joke being that Will would have to worry about the punishment for, for, as it turns out, three years. Because then the next thing you know, you see three years later. And <laughs> Phil is reading this comically big book of medieval punishments. And he says that he's finally got it. He slams the book shut and says, Will. And haha, he's being punished. For so doing the worst thing any TV character has really ever done. That would have been the sixth season, like, after Lisa and everything. Yeah. I was thinking about that, too, about how the, the, they didn't know at the time, but that the show would still be on three years later. <laughs> 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 it would have been smarter to say, like, ten years later, but that's he would have been 30 by then. So, yeah. yeah. Tonight. All right. We're gonna have a TV party, all right? Tonight. We've got nothing better to do. 